All right, fellow listeners, welcome back. Um, we hope you guys are doing well. Uh, Justin and Thomas, how are, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's Enjoy always good match. to be in the fire. It just it just lightens up my day. In more ways than one. Yes, it does. <laughs> Ooh, there's, a, there's a little a little fire pun for you to start off the episode. Yeah, I, I picked up on that. I'm hoping the <laughs> listeners did as well. I, I think they got it. <laughs> I'm sure they've never heard one of those on here before. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do them every week, so. Good idea, on. good idea. <laughs> they'll eventually just pick one at random, and there'll be a fire pun. <laughs> awesome. That's, <laughs> that's just what the listeners want, I'm sure. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll probably keep that going, too. Uh, but anyways, on a more serious note, we are back in the book of exodus if you remember a few weeks ago that's what we looked at we looked at exodus one and two and how certain things that satan meant to be done for evil the lord accomplished for good we sort of saw the seeds of the israelites and how that would sort of start their uh their long or, or continue their long journey towards the promised land um so we're going to continue looking at that following with the next couple of chapters, uh, some excerpts from chapters three and four. Um, so if you recall from the previous time, the last time we looked at Exodus, Moses was born uh, amid Pharaoh's edict to murder all the Hebrew sons. Um, but he survived. And in fact, he was raised in the house of Pharaoh, um, got that nice Egyptian education. Um, but then what we didn't see in that episode was that later on, I mean, this is probably a couple of decades later, uh, Moses, who's a Hebrew sees an Egyptian killing or beating up a Hebrew. And so Moses and goes and hit him with a dodgeball. He threw a very heavy and probably sharp <laughs> dodgeball at him. <laughs> that killed him. <laughs> Yes, the word dodgeball is a lighter way of saying that Moses killed this Egyptian that was beating up the Hebrew. Um, but anyways, because of that, Moses flees uh, Egypt to Midian, which was a place across the Red Sea. Um, and he sort of starts fresh there. Um, and so, yeah, while he's in Midian, he marries a woman named Zipporah, who was the daughter of a shepherd. And then Moses lives with Zipporah's father in their household, bears a son named Gershom, and continues being a shepherd for his father-in-law. Um, and at this point, this is where we get into what we're going to read today. Um, God approaches Moses for the first time and does so in English, which I'm sure everyone has heard of at least to some extent before uh, where Moses encounters this bush out while he's shepherding it burns but the bush does not like burn up or anything or disintegrate um, and so God speaks to Moses there and then this is where I guess we'll start here in Exodus 3 verses 9 through 12 where God is talking to Moses um, but yeah but before the before we do that, um, I just want to say that the topic of this episode is um, 
you may not think you can do it, but you can. If you're called, <laughs> if you feel called to do something by God, you may not feel like you're ready or able or willing at first, as we see here with Moses. But in the end, because we are powered by God and God is with us, we can do these things. And Moses is a great example of that. So without further ado, um, Thomas, do you want to read Exodus 3, 9 through 12 and verse 18? Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. 9 through 12, 18, Exodus chapter 3. And now behold, oh, now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then they went, then they will heed your voice and you will, shall come and you, the elder, you and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journeying into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord, our God. All right. Thank you. And then we're going to pick up in the next chapter, which follows shortly thereafter. Uh, Exodus 4, verses 1 through 18. I can go ahead and read verses 1 through 10, and then Justin, if you want to read 11 through 18. Okay. All right. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod again in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold... It was restored like the other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was against Moses. And he said, Is not a Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, 
and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go peace. All right. Thanks, guys. And thanks, listeners, for <laughs> sitting through that. Those were a lot of verses. But um, I think it's good that we uh, go ahead and read it all now. I felt like that was the best way to sort of enter into the topic. Um, so, yeah, a too long didn't read version. Um, Moses, <laughs> uh, or God comes to Moses, and then Moses, a few times while God is showing him all these signs, um, says that he doesn't feel ready or prepared or willing to go out and uh, obey what God is commanding him and telling him to do. And so we're going to unpack that a little more. There were really four examples of this where in which Moses doubts himself and sort of makes these excuses, even though God wants to use Moses in a powerful way. Um, And so the first one is, or back in, back in like Thomas read Exodus 3.11, when Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And really, this is a basic example of Moses doubting simply himself and his potential abilities. Uh, if you recall, as we mentioned earlier, this is 40 years after um, he was in Egypt and had a good standing in the Egyptian uh, upbringing in Egyptian education, but also as a Hebrew, he had one of the best standings as a Hebrew, which was an oppressed people group at the time and and enslaved. Um, But anyways, that was 40 years ago. He is now a shepherd in a random town called Midian. And it seems that um, he sort of lost some of this confidence of who he is. Um, He's sort of doubting those abilities or the strength that he once had when he was very sure of himself of who he was back in Egypt and now he has lost that it's been several decades later and he is questioning God am, are you sure I'm the one who should <laughs> who should be sent in to do this uh, but anyways that's really the first example of him doubting himself um, do you guys want to say anything about that uh, I think his doubt fear whatever it is here is kind of understandable um I was reading through this again, and I, I read beyond just the verses that we read here, I read the, the whole chapter, the whole idea of the burning bush. Um, it occurred to me, like, I did Moses really know? I mean, I'm sure he knew, like, oh, this is God. But did he really know that much about it? You know, he was raised in Egypt by Egyptians, and he was an Israelite. So he came from that background. Um, But then he left Egypt and went to live off elsewhere and then suddenly encountered this bush. Um, I don't know everything that he knew about God at that point. So, I mean, it says when he approaches the bush and the bush, (laughs) this fiery bush starts talking to him. (laughs) Uh, He is scared. I, I know it says that somewhere in here. So, but I think that's, that's rightfully so. So I think his fear is, very understandable um and even in verse 13 he acknowledges like okay i know you're god but like, you when they ask who talked to me like he doesn't even know 
essentially what name to tell the people of Israel that uh, talk to him. So he's, he's kind of scrambling here. Um, he's probably a little nervous. He's a little scared, a little overwhelmed. Um, there's a lot going on for Moses at this point in his life. He thinks he has escaped Egypt and is just living this peaceful life. And now everything has changed. Yeah, that's well said. Um, he's, I mean, he's definitely caught off guard here. This is really the first time, at least from the Bible, that we see of God talking to Moses. And he does it in such a shocking way by having this burning bush talk to him. Um, and so, yeah, this is also, like you said, so after so much time of him escaping Egypt and now God saying, oh, we need you um, or we get God wants to use Moses to deliver the Egyptians out of the oppression. And so there's probably a lot of thoughts going through his head, um, some confusion about who exactly is talking to him. Um, Justin, I think that's a good point that you brought up. Like he doesn't even know what to call this person who's talking to him through the bush, which is God. This bush. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then again, he's about unsure of himself at this point in his life um, about what exactly his role is and is this role that he's being called to something that he should pick up because he's obviously away from Egypt now and fled there for a reason because people are probably coming after or were searching for him for his life. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree. I think it's you yeah you bring up an interesting point, Justin. That like he was brought up in Egypt by like Egyptians, and like definitely their culture is heavily influenced by their by their own religion. Um, and so he's probably brought up to being taught that the the Egyptian gods are like the most powerful gods, you know, hmm. and in in away i wonder if he's almost asking god to prove himself more powerful than the egyptian gods here it's like are is this are you are you the god that is that is more powerful you know um like how 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 do i know like who am i like why are you sending me why aren't you just doing it yourself kind of thing mm. i wonder if he, that that might be what he's thinking there uh, i could see that yeah cuz we don't really yeah. know i mean Moses' background growing up in Egypt is in chapter two, and it's really only over a few verses that it's mentioned. And then he, as Peter mentioned, like he kills this Egyptian um, because, you know, he sees him beating up a Hebrew and get his anger is kindled up inside of Moses. Maybe he doesn't know where that came from. Um, yeah. And now he's, he might be a little confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then another interesting thing I wanted to mention on this first instance of Moses sort of doubting himself is that I think it, uh, again, sort of shows inwardly Moses turns to ask, um, who am I that I should go to fair and that I should bring the children out of Israel? Um, so which is, which is a fair question to ask and is probably what <laughs> many humans, many of us ask when we might feel asked something of God. Uh, for from God. Um, but I think it's interesting to note that he turns inwardly and presents himself as, oh, who am I that I should do this? Um, as opposed of asking about God and his abilities and his power, um, which I think is an interesting thing to note. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and this is not the first time that we've seen Moses probably feel something about himself or his abilities. Um, I think the reason he fled to Egypt in the first place, which was because he killed an Egyptian, was because he had a lot of confidence that he could take matters into his own hands. Um, And then now it's sort of the opposite at this point. He's unsure of himself after being, um, after sort of that identity that he once had in the Egyptian household and being Hebrew, um, which he had a pretty powerful position considering that he was a Hebrew in Egypt. Um, and now that's been gone for four years and now he's sort of unsure of himself. So he's continuing to ask, who am I? Um, and so it's a little bit of soul searching. So that might play into some of the doubt that he has. And also <laughs> he's probably shocked about this God figure that approaches him through a, <laughs> through a burning bush. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then there's the second. So that's the first example of that we have Moses doubting himself. The second example is in Exodus 4, verse 1, um, which, if you recall from when we read it, Moses answers and says, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Um, and so now this is sort of a different type of doubt. Instead of Moses sort of doubting himself, he sort of doubts what God has told him that, and sort of God, you know, tells Moses that, oh, go back to your people and tell them that I have said these things to you uh, and they will believe you. <laughs> and Moses is like, what if they don't? But if you, <laughs> or, <laughs> but back in verse 18 of chapter three, this is when God assures Moses that they will heed your voice. Um, and so despite that, <laughs> Moses counters, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Um, so reading those verses side by side, it's kind of funny to see that there's sort of this blatant disregard by Moses of God's earlier assurance. Um, so there's sort of a faith problem that Moses might be struggling with at this point. Mm. Um, yeah, but that's also something I feel like we all fall victim to, whether we actually, um, doubt that God will say what he's going to do through us, um, or that we just don't want to believe it so that we don't have to take on the opportunity of the calling that God is giving. I think we all can relate to Moses on some level here of him sort of lacking in his faith and doubting God. Yeah. I agree. I think so. Um, yeah. And I, I see God's response in, in everything that Moses says here. Um, but this, in the second example, you know, the beginning of Exodus 4, it kind of starts to become clear to me that like God is responding in a way that is very reassuring through all these verses that we read. Um, at this point in Exodus, it's sort of angry at Moses at all for Moses' doubts. You know, I think God is like probably realizing that Moses is in a tough position. He's going to, you know, it's understandable if he's going to be a little worried, if he's going to be a little scared of um, So here Moses shows out again. And God reassures him, like, okay, I'm going to be with you. What's that in your hand? A rod, cast on the ground. And God goes through these um, steps of proving to Moses why he should be reassured and why he should be confident. Um, because if God do these things, which seem, I mean, pretty possible, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> the rod turning into a snake and the hand mm-hmm. becoming leprous and then not leprous and all that, I, like, He's showing Moses his strength, which is reassuring Moses. And 
Um, at this point, he's not getting angry. Moses, Moses showing a little bit of hesitance, but instead God's kind of nurturing him along um, and starting him on this process of, you know, building Moses. He's working with him rather than moving on. Yeah. And, you know, considering like Moses does, obviously, through these through these events that God is working along through Moses and um, Moses is doubting himself, doubting God, um, which um, obviously is part of his struggle, but he's getting to the point where God is teaching him a lesson and it's step-by-step step sort of building upon the other to where we're going to look at in later in this episode um, to where Moses overcomes these struggles and these doubts. And I think, it's a common theme throughout the Bible, seeing these leaders that God is going to use being tested in their faith first before he sends them out and to accomplish the greater mission of um, leading the people. And so this is just sort of the trials or the, the pressure, or the um, just the, the self-struggle or the, the grappling with um, identity of who Moses is and who God is before he does become a great leader for Israel. Yeah. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So God sort of, like you said, Justin, walking alongside him um, through this and helping him out being patient. Um, Yeah. But that's through two examples at this point. Um, So we can go ahead and move on to the third example, which is in Exodus four, verse 10. Um, which again, Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So again, God is continuing to work through Moses. He shows him these signs of um, the rod turning into a serpent and then back to a rod again once Moses picks it up. And then the Lord giving Moses' Moses's hand leprosy and then removing that Um so those are a couple of signs he shows him after the second instance of doubt. And then Moses again, despite these signs, exhibits a third instance of doubt saying, oh, I'm not eloquent. I don't think I'm fit or prepared or qualified to lead these people and be your servant because I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Um, so this sort of seems more like an excuse now <laughs> that Moses is trying to come up with um, maybe trying his best to turn away from committing to God's call from him. Um, And I think it's important to note that some people might think that Moses had like a speech impediment or something, which he may have had, but also in Acts 7.22, it says Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. (laughs) So it's likely that he was actually eloquent to some extent, um, but he's sort of just coming up with an, an excuse here. Um, out of reluctance or self-doubt. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a third example of Moses sort of doubting himself. Yeah, and again, I go straight to God's response here, which is, again, very patient, verse 11 and 12. Um, again, God's not going to get mad at him. He's going to remind him, like, hey, I know that, like, if, it's, if it is like a speech impediment, which, again, some people believe that, like, okay, I know that, you know, you're not confident because of that. But look, 
I created you and I made you the way that you are. And I want to use you the way that you are to accomplish this. And because I made you the way that you are is good enough for me being God to work with. Um, and he reassures him of that in verses 11 and 12, which is, which is pretty neat. He inspires a lot of confidence in Moses just by showing, I think, this patience and uh, this, again, nurturing kind of gentle assurance. Mm. I kind of like the solution here, like right at the end, um, which I don't, I don't know if it's, it's in what we read, but God gives Moses Aaron <laughs> and his brother. And he's like, all right, well, then Aaron will go with you and, and speak with you. So I Moses is kind of like being like, I can't speak well. Um, I don't he probably didn't want to do it alone, you know, mm-hmm. um, and regardless of whether like the Lord is with him. It's like he's still walking up in front of Pharaoh one on one. Right. And so he's like, I, I don't really feel secure in my identity. I don't really think I can speak well. I don't really want to do this. And so like, I don't want to do it alone. He's <laughs> like, please, choose someone else, not me. <laughs> like, this, is, this isn't for me. Um, but then, of course, God's like, shut up, you idiot. It is. <laughs> like, God is doing everything. He's like, don't worry, Moses. I got that. I covered for you here. I covered for you here. Don't worry. <laughs> like I'm choosing you and you're going to go. And I think it's cool where this is a good example of God meeting Moses where he's at mm. and, and giving him the call that he's calling Moses to do. Yeah. It's so important in these verses to see what God is doing. Not, a, not what Moses is doing or doubting. Um, because we all, I mean, we all have our doubts. We all have our insecurities about ourselves and question our ability uh, or willingness to lead. But what God is doing here is he's saying, okay, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be patient while you're struggling with these doubts, while we're working through them. Um, but yeah, I'm going to meet you where you are. If you don't feel comfortable speaking, well, I'm going to send Aaron and who can speak well. And Moses, you can be sort of the intermediary. You can be the liaison between me and Aaron. And then between, and then what Aaron will say to Pharaoh when they get there and when they get back to Egypt. Um, yeah, so God's t- continuing to show himself. His presence will be felt. Um, and God's not going to leave, lead Moses anywhere unprepared or leave him stranded because God is God. He, will, he says multiple times throughout this that... Um, that I will certainly be with you. And so it's definitely important to focus on what God is doing here more than anything else. It is like verse 14 mentions the Lord gets a little bit angry against Moses now. So he wasn't angry before, but now he's like, okay, you've made enough excuses. He's getting a little, maybe a little frustrated with Moses. Um, I don't know if frustrated is the right word. Angry. Angry is the right word here. Um, And but still, despite that, again, he, he gives Moses help because he realizes, okay, still asking a lot of Moses, I think, here, your brother going to come and help you. Um, and maybe that's kind of a good lesson for us. You know, if we put ourselves in Moses' shoes, where, you know, where 
think people us with different things and are we noticing that um where where we are moses who is our aaron (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's well Um, said (laughs) yeah but that's not necessarily the point of of today but maybe just another way to look at this specific situation Mm -hmm. yeah and that is a perfect segue into the fourth excuse here when god does sort of get mad at moses it's in follows verse 13 (laughs) when moses after all these doubts and excuses he finally just says oh my lord please send by the hand of whoever who whomever else you may send (laughs) so (laughs) everything else is out the door and then i think we get to the heart of the matter where moses is basically admitting that he doesn't want to do it whether he's too fearful doesn't feel ready or just doesn't want to step up to the plate um uh, he says can you send someone else and god yeah like you said justin and like the verses say um the anger of the lord was kindled against moses um but yeah this is also where he says he's gonna send aaron in to help him as well um so once again god will be there and he's continuing to work on moses work on his heart and he's (laughs) sort of getting down to no pun intended, the heart of the matter, which is these doubts. I was just not wanting to uh, heed God's call um, for his life, which is a pretty big call. And there's probably a lot of pressure that he feels doing it. But again, God is still revealing himself, not just through these signs and miracles of the burning bush and the rod and whatnot, but also through just God's presence of being there with Moses. Yeah. I think think it's cool that, like, God is, like, I'm sending you Moses. And Moses is like, no, don't. And he's like, too bad. I'm going to do whatever it takes to to send you. He's like, I'm sending you, right? Um, And he's, obviously, God is a little angry that Moses is like, do not send me. But he's like, no. Like, he makes it possible for Moses to go because that's what he wants. And it's kind of cool. God's will will be done. Yeah. And and I think actually the anger of God, God's anger is shown here and it's different than the first three kind of excuses that Moses gives. Cause those are excuses where Moses is like, I'm not a speaker. So I don't think I can do this. Or, you know, what if they act, don't believe me. And those are him kind of showing fear. God is reassuring him. And then this time Moses just flat out says like, oh, don't send me, send someone else. And then God gets a little upset. Um, <laughs> so it's not yeah. when Moses is showing the hesitancy. God's okay with that. He's patient with him through that and he's working with him. But then as soon as Moses is like, I, I, I don't think I can do this. Just don't do it. Just choose someone else. Then God is like, okay, I chose you for this. So you're going to go. Um, and he's going to kind of yeah. challenge him to do it. Um, but so it's a little different, I think, this from the three excuses. And that's why God is angry at him a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's like, I chose you. I'm sending you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's I guess it's almost an affront to God to be like, you chose wrong. Send someone else. Yeah, because yeah. this isn't this isn't him worrying and showing God his worry as he was doing. This is him yeah. kind of denying what God is trying to do 
Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing to do. <laughs> no, it is. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> but then one of the yeah, and going along with that, one of the things I like most about this segment of the passage is verse seventeen, um, when God says, "And you shall take this rod in your hand, which with which you shall do the signs." So the same rod, uh, which I think this is really special, the same rod that God revealed himself again to Moses through turning into a serpent and then telling Moses to pick it up and turn it back into a rod, saying that a serpent has an evil sign. Uh, he's saying, it's okay, go pick it up. I will turn that evil back into a rod. And that rod <laughs> is um, shows up here again in verse 17 when God is telling, instructing Moses to take this rod in your hand, which you will shall do all the signs. And the many signs that are done with this rod include parting the Red Sea, which is one of the biggest miracles in the Bible um, when they escape the Egyptians. So I think that's a neat, a neat. Um, I guess when we look back again after reading it, it's a bit of a foreshadowing event, but also you can, Moses can look back at the rod in this time, even before the Red Sea is parted and say, oh, look at the sign that God has done with this rod before that's that same rod that's going to be with me into the future. And And it's uh, a sign that God will be with me and help me uh, destroy evil. Yeah, I like that. I hadn't thought about that, actually. So this is a a very important rod. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so we've already talked about this a good bit, but sort of the next... um, portion of the podcast was to really talk about why we should not doubt. And I think it boils down to having the power of God on our side. And again, like I just said, we've talked about um, how God is still being patient and working through Moses and showing him all these miracles, uh, which sort of addresses the power of God and who he is. Um, And then once again, Moses had this, has this rod with him now that recalls the power of God. And so I think all we need to do is when we doubt is to look and recall the power of God, his promises, what he's done in our lives, and then have faith in that. And that should help, I guess, encourage us or motivate us and give us the power we need to um, follow God's instructions and obey him when we feel like he's leading us a certain way. I completely agree. And it's all like you know um don't doubt or kind of the, uh, where am i going with this don't doubt land know that that's going to come true but you can also look at this and think okay well if i do have this doubt that's natural and okay because as long as i'm not denying through that doubt what god has put in front of me and what he has planned for me, as long as i'm not denying that purpose God will work with me to get me to that purpose and work mm-hmm. with me through that doubt. So maybe there's a couple categories of doubt. There's like self-doubt where you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this, but uh, you know, you have that come that Moses is having here where Moses is like, I'm, I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. And God helps him through it. And there's that kind of doubt, which is, I think fine. Um, not ideal, but God works with you through that. And then there's the other kind where you doubt, you know, 
the truth of what God had planned. And that's when God gets upset with Moses and, and he'll stay with you, but um, he's not going to abandon you. But I think that's the, the more damaging kind of doubt when it really harms your belief in what God has in store. I, I don't know if that makes any sense or if there's, mm. if I'm making that line clear enough. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Um, I think I, I have a good little axiom um, that kind of sums up what you're trying to say. And, and I learned this in RA class or RA training. And um, basically what it is, it is God does not call the qualified, but God qualifies the call. Um, in, in that, like, you're not, 100% prepared for like, like what, what you've already done doesn't play a fact into the call that God has really made you to do in that whatever God calls you to do, he is qualifying you to do that as you do it. And leading up to that, I think if that makes any sense. Yeah. That's, I think that kind of, idea. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that's very appropriate to what is going on here. Um, the point is not to wait till you feel ready. Obey God. It's to <laughs> obey God and get to that point where you're not doubting God. You may have doubts about yourself, which, like you said, Justin, is perfectly fine. But to your, where you're still willing to have faith and take that step, even if you feel like you're not ready because you know God will use you. And he will qualify you through obeying him, um, which I think is neat. And along in that same vein, um, there's a couple lines throughout these verses that sort of represent Moses not fully doubting or turning away from God when he senses his fear. Yes, he has doubts. We all have doubts as humans and not fully understanding the true power of God. We have such a limited understanding of that. And so we're going to doubt and be frustrated and um, not believe in ourselves or our abilities at all times, like Moses did here. But a couple lines I want to point out is that I didn't actually read this verse, but when um, the Lord sent the burning bush or put in or lightened the bush on fire, um, another fire reference, if you will, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh there's a verse here that says in verse four, I think it's in Exodus three. Yeah. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, which I think is interesting because he's Moses turned aside to see the bush, which um, is a sort of record of Moses or recording of God noticing Moses action that he's not fleeing from this bush or anything. He's going to turn around and he's still going to face it. And that bush is God. Um, so he's not fully turning away from it. And then secondly, uh, he, Moses still has faith when God tells him to pick up a serpent, which is, you can probably assume a yeah. venomous snake. It's deadly. Um, I wouldn't Moses do it. doesn't just say, <laughs> he says, he goes straight for the tail, which, um, puts him in a very vulnerable position. Um, if he didn't believe that God would, uh, protect him through it. Uh, but he picks it up and it turns back into a normal rod. Um, so God is slowly working through Moses at this time, but Moses, um, you can still see he has this faith that is still driving him 
towards God and not away from God. And through that, God can use that to sort of continue to reveal himself and prepare Moses um, for what he's about to do. And that sort of helps Moses deal or overcome those doubts that he has. Hey, Peter. What? Why is is picking up a serpent by its tail putting, say, me in a compromising position? <laughs> because the snake could bite you if you pick is it up. Is this a trick question? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it just, uh... <laughs> no that it is, it is complete just like... It's just because it can still move and, like, get at my legs and stuff. It can still wiggle around. (laughs) Technically, like, you want to pick up a snake by its head. (laughs) But that's also dangerous, too. Um, But if you pick it up by its head, like, behind its neck, then it probably can't bite you unless its Mm. fangs, like, somehow reach back and nick you in the finger. Um, So if you pick up... cobras that can spit its... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just spit venom all over you. (laughs) That would not be good either. (laughs) Um, But I think anytime you pick up... If we assume this is a venomous snake, anytime you pick up a venomous snake, whether it's by the tail or by the head, you're putting yourself in... (laughs) <laughs> and a chance to be bitten by it. Um, I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a it's a risky endeavor. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, and so I don't think that's someone something that <laughs> Moses would normally do if he saw a serpent laying on the ground. But yes, yeah, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. I just wanted some some further clarification. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. I just don't think. Yeah, he would normally do it unless he knew that God was had some sort of faith that God was going to protect him through it. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I like that. Yeah. All right. So um, that's really the bulk of the the meat of this um, of these two chapters of Exodus here, um, and what I wanted to talk about today. Um, so as we sort of go into a a takeaway or summary or conclusion, I guess is a better word for it. Um, Can you guys think of other examples in the Bible where Christians may have doubted their ability to serve God? Because there are definitely more than just Moses. Yes, I think there are plenty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, well, I know Mary, we've done a podcast and actually she, tiny little bit of it <laughs> but she is incredibly faithful um and full of belief when she is actually confronted by the angels so um, but i do think there you know she does ask at one point and they're like like why have you chosen me which you could probably read as a little bit of doubt you know she's a little mm-hmm. scared she doesn't know why she's being picked to give birth to jesus which is a pretty big that's the first one that i think of Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think of first Jonah and yep. literally just running the opposite direction. Like yeah. God said, yeah, yeah, yeah. go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I'm going to go to Tarshish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, God was glorified through that in a, in a way it's, it said, Jonah, like, you're going to Nineveh. Like, I'm going to have a big fish swallow you and spit you out by Nineveh. And you're going to go preach my word to people who are not Jews. 
and they're going to believe in me. It's going to be great. And that's what ended up happening. And then also I think of Gideon. And I think Gideon and the fleece, I think, is is a pretty close to kind of what, what Moses is kind of thing here. Where Gideon's like, how do I know that you're actually going to do this? Make the ground wet and my fleece dry in the morning. And then, oh, how do I know that you're actually going to do this? Make the fleece wet and the ground dry in the morning. And then God does it. <laughs> Like he's he's testing God and he's not questioning God, which is he gets he gets some flack for. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's kind of Gideon being like I having doubt that God is going to like allow him to be successful and going to allow him to conquer Midian. Um, and yeah. And and then so he, he tests God. Here Moses doesn't test God, he just says, Go choose someone else. <laughs> yeah. And God's like, No, I'm choosing you. But yeah, yeah, so I think those are a few that I see. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And um yeah, the reason why I asked that is because um there's way more than just Moses. Uh way more than Moses about. Um characters in the bible end up doing great things for god having doubts about themselves or just like jonah didn't want to obey god at first um but then you can see how god uses people so it's a very natural human thing to feel and it would be great to cover all these more examples but i just wanted to focus on moses specifically um another example that actually was at the church i'm going to uh, they were just mentioning about um, Peter and John today in Acts. Um, I was just going to say Peter, yeah. Yeah, when they are, um, they refer to them as uneducated, uh, unqualified fishermen, just ordinary people, uneducated and ordinary. And the pastor was saying that in Greek, the translation used for that is idios, which if you can put two and two together, pretty much means idiot <laughs> that Peter and John are. So they are not qualified uh, at really at all if you consider um, like being educated or whatever as being qualified. But because God is with them and they have faith in God um, and what, the, what God can do for, with them and in them, uh, you can see what they end up doing for the church. Um, yeah, so I thought that was another good example. Yeah. I mean, form the early church, right? Um, yeah. So they play an enormous role in everything. I'm trying to look for where Paul or Saul is converted to Paul. Because um, I feel like he shows a little bit of doubt, too, after that happens. Like, why would why would your followers listen to me if I used to persecute them? And God reassures him. Um, I mean, twenty six says Saul comes to Jerusalem, but the people are afraid of him because he used to persecute them. Um, so I think he probably has a little bit of hesitance as well. I'm trying to find any specific place where he expresses that hesitance, but uh, yeah, you know, 
he plays a pretty big role in the early trip. <laughs> Despite yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And think how big of a testament it is when God can use the least of these or the least qualified individuals for uh, expanding the kingdom or for the kingdom's sake. And you look at what they can accomplish. Like that just magnifies God even more, I feel like. Mm. Yeah. It's like, look at God working through the weakest of people to accomplish his will. Because. <laughs> If you'd use the strongest, it'd be too easy. <laughs> yes, it would. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it'd be, it'd be, the focus would then be on like the strong people instead of like the God, right? And that's why he works through people who are weak. Yeah. Because it brings him more glory. And we are all weak. Amen. <laughs> you <know>? So <laughs> we are all mm-hmm. weaklings. <laughs> that we are um, yeah this literally leads into a John Piper quote which I'd love to use <laughs> um, leads into a quote that I wanted to kind of conclude with which was God's answer to that maneuver is always the same which is speaking about Moses um, and his sort of excuses and doubts that he was um, expressing so God answers that maneuver is always the same. Right, you are small and weak, but wrong. That is no excuse to cop out. Why? Because I will be. I will strengthen you and will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I love to do big things through small people. How else will my name be glorified in all the earth? I love it. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Justin, did you ever, did you find those verses in Acts? Uh, no, not specifically. I stopped looking <laughs> a couple minutes ago. All right. Well, <laughs> we, you, you still mentioned the example and it's in Acts. If you, if you guys want to, listeners want to check it out, I may do that as well. Um, but anyways, I just want to end on these questions. And then if you guys have any closing thoughts, you can add them. Um, but yeah, where might God or what might God be calling you to do? Where might he be calling you to go? Um, do you feel unqualified or have you felt unqualified? Have you used that as an excuse not to obey God and his commandments for you? Um, and then are you ready to obey like Moses ended up doing? And Moses at the end um, goes back to Jethro and says, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. So Moses uh, says yes to God and embarks on this long mission that will um, lead his people out of Egypt uh, towards the promised land. Moses never actually gets to the promised land, but uh, leads them past through the Red Sea um, and into the wilderness where they stay for a while where Moses ends up dying. But um, it's such an instrumental part of getting Israel to the promised land. Mm. Yeah. 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 Do you guys have any last thoughts you want to share? I do not. I think this is a good, uh, good discussion. Today. Um. Yeah, give me a second. All right, Philippians four six. I'm gonna go in at or ESV. Do not be anxious about anything, but with, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I think that kind of 
it's a good one to bring in here just because it's like, well, if you are, if you are doubting and you are fearful of what, of what it could look like and what God's calling you to do. Remember, it's like, tell God, you know, that's what, yeah. tell God your yeah. fears, your reservations. And he will, he will qualify the call. He will do what is necessary to, to have you go into that call that he's called you to do. But don't feel like because he's called you, you have, you do not, you, you cannot go to him with your fears. Um, he definitely wants to work with you through your fear and to make you courageous. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And that will, I guess, lead into a closing prayer that I can go ahead and give us. Um, so dear God, um, thank you for this episode. Thank you for getting us, for letting us be able to grow in your word and have another great discussion with Justin and Thomas. Um, but yeah, God, may we just, may we just continue to see you work in us and prepare and, uh, show us that you're there and with us, um, helping inform us into people who are courageous to take on your tasks, because we know that you are empowering us and with us through it all. May we not be anxious as we go forward and say, but maybe do it with courage and joy and faith knowing that you are with us through it all in your name i pray amen 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 all right well thanks for peter, listening peter how can they reach us oh oh yeah i i yeah i would love to mention how you can reach us uh, you can reach us through email, as a matter of fact. Whoa. Uh, yes. At three, the number three, in the fire, the letters in the fire, at gmail.com. Three in the fire at gmail.com. Um, we read through every single email that you guys send us, and we will respond to it and hopefully include it in an episode, depending on what your request or whatever it is. Um, and then hopefully it's not so outlandish that we cannot include it in an episode. <laughs> but if it is in that event, we will still respond to you personally. And <laughs> if that does happen, and take it from there. <laughs> um, and then our Instagram is at in the fire podcast. Correct. Wow, is... I can't wait to email and follow both That's of those. It. I'm going to send an email right now. <laughs> <laughs> see they're doing it i'm gonna do it listeners you should do it as well and, and with that said yeah. <laughs> we hope you all have a blessed week um and we will talk to you in the next episode all right Catch you later bye yeah, peace <laughs>